If you would please turn in the Bible to James chapter five. We are toward the end, but we're not ending yet. Last week we looked at just one verse, verse 12, on letting our yes be yes and our no be no. And it's been a pretty good week. I've heard from several of you all comments about that message that God is teaching you to be just upfront and honest and clear when you speak, that it would reveal your integrity, that you would speak from integrity. But now we move on to verses 13 through 18 today of chapter five, and we see James really teaching us, instructing. As I've said through all of chapter five, it's hard for us to really understand how is all this connected, but I think we're gonna start seeing some. Today's message about, is about the benefits of praying. And we're gonna see three benefits of praying. But it really raises the issue of our health, our spiritual health, our church health, really. And it causes us to ask, are we healthy or unhealthy? And you know, the way life goes, there are some times when we're really dialed into those questions, aren't we? My wife always laughs at me because when I go to the dentist, the dentist always asks, do you floss? And I always say yes, because I flossed the day before I went. And I say, yeah, I'm taking good care of them. And I'm always hoping that they're not like, you know, red and inflamed. And he's like, yeah, I see you just started flossing, you know. But this healthy and unhealthy idea is very real in the world, isn't it? I've been having some pain in my elbow and it's got me all worried that I'll never be able to do anything ever again. So I looked up tendonitis in the elbow. And I'm telling you, it said, it said exactly, tendonitis is most common when men turn 40. That is what it said exactly. And I thought, oh my goodness. That is exactly my age when I looked it up. I just turned 41 last week, but still, I thought, oh my goodness. And all of these concerns about health and unhealth, I read an article this week that said sugar progresses aging, and I thought, oh my goodness. I'm so unhealthy with all the sugar that I bring in. No wonder I feel older than 41. Too much sugar, too much salt, not enough water, not enough sleep. Am I even healthy at all, I thought. And you know, those are just physical, but you need to be able to think along those lines spiritually. That's why I prayed the way I did. If you are not, if you are walking with the Lord in a healthy way, this week did a number on you, didn't it? If you are walking with the Lord in a healthy way, it did a number on you. If you're not walking with the Lord in a healthy way, you're struggling right now. And I dare say that there are people not here today because of how hard this week was. And because they're not spiritually healthy, they're becoming undone by it. I don't know who, I don't have anybody in mind. But it is hard to navigate a fallen and lost world if we're not focused on the truth 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This world will overcome you. And we are carrying ourselves through days right now where we're seeing it happen to many people. If you're not sure what you're fighting for, then you very well may be fighting for the wrong things. We need to take a long look into the gospel, not the mirror, although that's a good place to start. But we need to take a long look into the gospel and the truth of what God says and analyze how healthy or unhealthy we are. James brings us to a good place, prayer. And I know that this sermon today is gonna be difficult for us because we so often do not equate spiritual health with prayer lives. We want to say that it is measured by other things. But the best way, perhaps, is prayer. I wanna ask you to bear with me during this sermon even when it does not feel good or sound good because prayer is one way for us to easily recognize how unhealthy we are. Read with me in James chapter five, verses 13 through 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. This passage is not so much one about health or unhealth in the life of the believer. This is a passage about prayer, and you can recognize that. Seven times in these short verses, we have the word prayer. In every single verse through 13 through 18, prayer is mentioned. Every single one of them. It's about prayer. And I'm wanting you to know that you will be able to evaluate here this morning very clearly where you're at spiritually based off your praying, your prayer life, your commitment to prayer. But before we get started, I want to see how this raises some questions. Do you pray? When do you pray? Why don't you pray? And those are hard questions to answer, right? It's pretty easy to answer why I don't floss or why I haven't been drinking enough water or things like that. But it's more painful to answer why we do not pray. If we go in the direction of, I just don't want to, which you may not be honest, but if you were honest, that's a pretty good answer. I don't want to pray. Why don't you want to? Would you admit, can we admit here today that you don't want to pray because you do not believe? You do not believe enough. It's not worth it. It doesn't work. God doesn't hear. God doesn't answer. Is belief the problem with your prayer life? Would you admit that? 
And if you would admit that, then we're in a great spot. Would you come to Christ? Would you start afresh? Would you bow your knee and your heart here today, perhaps for the first time ever in the realest way and say, God, I don't pray because I don't believe. And I need to believe you, God. And I can believe you. God, starting today, I will pray to a God I believe in. Oftentimes, we do not pray because we do not want to, and we don't want to because we do not believe. Or perhaps, we just don't want to pray right now. We don't want to pray right now because we're not focused. We're distracted. Oh, we're so distracted. We're not focused on our Lord by faith. And so perhaps there are many of us who know that we should pray, believe that we should pray. They think that God would hear our prayer, but we don't want to pray because we're not focused enough to be in praying. And we've all been there before, I know. And is that you right now? Certainly there have been times where, you know, you and your home, y'all have been fighting and not getting along or something like that. And it came time to pray at bedtime or at the dinner table and neither one of you wanted to pray. And so you just said, I'll pray to myself. I don't feel like praying out loud right now. That's normal for us. Not good, but it's normal. And so you can see what I'm saying. It doesn't mean altogether that you have abandoned the faith and you don't see the value in praying. It just means that you are in no position right there to pray. If that's us, we must recognize that and be honest about it. As this passage tells us, we can confess that sin. We can say, God, this is not the way I'm supposed to live. I need to be able to pray at all times and I can never let my attitude or my neglect or my lack of faith or my sincerity keep me from praying. And so maybe you know you should be praying, but you just don't want to because you're not focused enough. You're scatterbrained, you're discouraged, you're frustrated, you're too worked up and it doesn't feel right to pray. That is not good. But we need to be able to ask that question, why don't we pray? And if your answer is, we don't want to, then we need to literally pray because we don't want to pray. You need to learn to get in position to see God change you. You need to learn to say, I need to hold her hand even though I don't want to hold her hand. I need to put my arm around her and lead her in prayer even though I don't want to do that. I need to turn off the TV even though I hate turning off the TV. Nothing makes me more angry about life than when I get super honest about how disappointed in me I am. And turning off the TV does that. But it would be so incredibly good for you, even with kids, even with noise, even with distractions, even with unbelievers in your home that would laugh at you, for you to get on your knees, literally, beside your bed, beside the couch, somewhere, in a closet, in the bathroom. That we would learn to pray because we know God is real, a father in heaven who has ears, big ears, unlimited ears. He can hear every prayer with ease, with clarity. So if we do not want to pray, we must address that, but sometimes we do want to pray. And I'm asking, why don't we pray? And we would say something like, well, I want to, but I don't know how. I don't know where to start. Don't know how or where to begin. I'm too shy. I'm too embarrassed. I would be uncomfortable. Perhaps your whole life is full of insecurities. And what we often do with our insecurities, we just avoid them and neglect them. And so even prayer is kind of suffering from that right now. Don't know what to say. Don't pray as good as other people that I've heard pray before. What if I say the wrong thing? We hear these things all the time. 
let me assure you, when we talk about good listeners, and I know you ho- hopefully have somebody in your life, a mom or a grandmother or something like that, who's such a good listener, let me assure you, listen to me, for every single one of you, God is such a good listener. Your father loves to listen. And he understands your heart so masterfully like only he can that you don't even have to get it right. Somehow God is able to hear your voice and see your heart regardless of what your voice is saying. The Bible teaches that. That when we don't know what to say, when we can't get the words out, he hears as he sees surrender, trust, belief in a savior. Somehow, miraculously, as only he can, he gets it. If anybody's ever got it as a listener, it's God. He gets it. And so no matter what are the insecurities that are keeping you from praying when you want to, do it. Pray, pray. Charles Spurgeon once said, the great preacher from the 1800s, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. And yet we often think of it differently than that. The prayer is where it's at. Being able to say good things for God is somewhat a picture of spiritual health, but it is nowhere near the gauge of spiritual health that prayer is. So do you want to pray? Do you not want to pray? This sermon today is about the benefits of praying. Number one, when we pray, we get healthier. So this is about healthy or unhealthy. When we pray, we get healthier. Quite simply, prayer is good for you. Prayer is good for you. Just like flossing or drinking water or taking a daily walk is good for you, prayer is. You will be healthier. You have a healthier marriage, a healthier home. You'll have healthier trigger reactions if you pray. You will view the lost world in a healthier way. You will be kinder. You'll be healthier if you pray. But here under we get healthier, I want to give you three ideas of health. Number one, physical health. Number two, spiritual health. And number three, healthier church involvement. Prayer makes you healthier, healthier physically, healthier spiritually, and healthier church involvement. Let's look back to James chapter five, and we're saying physically, and yes, this is what it brings up. Verse 13 asks, is anyone among you suffering? And later it asks in the same verse, or sorry, in the very next verse, is anyone among you sick? Now, certainly there are ways of suffering that aren't physical health, and there are ways of being sick that aren't necessarily physical health, but it absolutely must be speaking to that as well, okay? Later on, it teaches us to get the elders and come and pray with hands on them and with oil and all of that, and and they will be healed from that, all right? We, We are to think that this, to some degree, is speaking of physical sickness. There is a connection there. As R.C. Sproul points out, sin and illness are not unrelated. Forgiveness, listen, 
is therapeutic to the body as well to the soul. I hope you know this. Healthy spiritual life, which is the next point, absolutely can lead to a healthy physical life. And we're to see some connections here in James chapter five. Is anybody sick? Let him pray. Is anybody suffering? Let him pray. Is anybody sick? Let him gather people to come and pray for him. Have you ever thought about this? Does it matter to you on this level? Now, certainly not always this is the case, but it is possible. Now, when we get to this word here, suffering in verse 13, it's interesting. It really gets to the idea of being in trouble. That's what it really means. But you have to ask, why is there trouble? Is it trouble because you've made bad decisions? Is it trouble because you are physically sick? Or is it trouble like from persecution? So now it's worry and anxiety and things aren't good. And, you know, that's a real situation. And James has already been speaking to persecution. And we know that this section of the Bible is really speaking to persecution. The next two books, First and Second Peter, are all about being written to the persecuted church. And so we're in the mindset of, hey, life is troubling. I'm suffering through life because of where God has me and what he has me going through. And so while it says, is anyone among you suffering, some translations say, are any of you in trouble or going through trouble? And God tells us that the solution to that is to pray. The next one, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders. Let them pray. So you pray about your situation and get other people to pray about your situation. This means that our response to the things that we're going to, even physically our health, right, is prayer. Not just take an ibuprofen, not just go to the doctor, not just drink more water or exercise or whatever, but pray that we might physically become more healthy. Notice in between these two things, you have this question, is anyone cheerful? What a good question. Is anyone cheerful? Then let him sing praise. Douglas Moo says, this is a reminder to turn to God. This is a reminder that turning to God is needed even more in times of cheer than in times of suffering. It should not be your only move to pray when things are bad. It should be your turning to God no matter what, good or bad. Up or down, suffering or cheer, we seek him. We live unto him. And so when we pray, we get healthier, could be physically. But also, when we pray, we get healthier spiritually. And here we start to see the same thing. You have phrases in here. If you look down to verse 15, it says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. The prayer of faith uh, will save. The Lord will raise him up. He will be forgiven of his sins. These are all of the key components of what spiritual health they're about. A turning to God, a crying out to him, a needing him, a desperation. Asking that God would lift your spirit. Asking that God would remove your sins and, um, and, and asking that, that God would forgive you of your sins. In the middle of the week this week as we were in our Acts Bible study, we heard Peter tell them that if they would repent of their sins, God would blot them out. We read that in Acts chapter three. What a beautiful picture of all of the sins that we have being blotted out. You picture a chalkboard or a whiteboard covered with all of these markings and you go and take something and literally blot them out. God does that inside of us. This is the 
peak of spiritual health, knowing that the God that made you loves you and restores you and forgives you of your sins because he, as only he can do, has removed your sins from you. He has taken them. He has forgiven them. He has blotted them out. He has forgiven you of them because his son, the Lord Jesus, died for your sins, rose again, lives, reigns, and rules, and you can be at peace with God all because of what God has done for you in Christ. He will forgive you. There is no better spiritual health than resting, believing, trusting, Trusting that, that is as healthy as it gets. And that's why I said sometimes there's physical health. Because many of us are still uh, dealing with physical sickness. But spiritually, we are so healthy. Oftentimes, God has used the physical unhealthiness to thrust us toward spiritual health. God does that. And may he do it more and more and more. But notice that this passage tells us that there can be healthier physically and there can be healthier spiritually. But there is one more in which we, when we pray, we get healthier. And that is healthier church involvement. I don't want to be so basic here. There's some correlation to people that pray being connected to church and people who don't pray not being connected to church. Not the only gauge, but there's something to it. In this passage, and on the third question, it says, sing praise. It says, call for elders of the church. It says, let them pray over him. Church involvement, surrender, vulnerability, open, honest conversation. Calling up one of your pastors. I need to tell you about something. I need you to pray for me. And it could be anything in the world. But open, honest, relationship deepening, vulnerable, asking your pastors to pray for you. That's a good thing. We would love that. It happens. Wish it happened more. But you see how healthy that is? I would love that. Wouldn't think anything bad about you. Would actually think better of you. If you called us up, told us something bad about you, and asked us to help you with it through prayer, we would think better of you. That's how it works. You telling us bad things about you would make us think better of you because you're turning to God with prayer. Strengthens your church involvement. But on the flip side of that would be, no, I don't want anybody to know. No, we're not gonna pray about that. I don't want anybody praying about that. There's no hope for me. It won't change. God won't hear. And then we start to walk ourselves through things that are filled with doubt and unbelief as to why we're not going to pray. But when we do pray, there is healthier church involvement. Well, all of that was from verse 14, but if you get down to verse 16, you see things like this, the one another's. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. And then we see there that these are church relationships. These are connections to people that we need help with. And we, again, connect with them. We pray and we talk. We help them and they help us. So you see a healthier church involvement. When we pray, we get healthier. Quite simply, that means that prayer is good for us. But we need to ask ourselves a few questions. The same way I said, do you do it or do you not do it? Do you want to, do you not want to? 
do we do these things? Do we believe enough to do this? I want to ask you, when was the last time you prayed for somebody? Seriously. Not thought well of them, not told them you would pray, but you went before the Father on behalf of somebody else. And and here we see our problem. It's really hard to get so worked up over what the news is telling us and what's going on over the world or in our country when I know that not too far from home, we've got our own issues. It's Christianity 101, we pray. And if we don't pray, then why are we worried about anything else? When's the last time, honestly, you went to anybody and said, help me with this sin? This is what the Bible says to do. And praise the Lord, you've got a church and you've got people here that are pointing this to us. God wants our church involvement to be healthier, meaning our relationships, not meaning this place, but our relationships. That we would be committed to each other. Now, I don't want us to miss just this huge blanket statement of prayer produces healthy spiritual life. I don't want us to miss that. And so I want to give you a couple short examples. You can just take notes. You don't have to turn there. Of where you hear this very thing being taught in the Bible. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In one little sentence right here in Philippians, we have believers living in a horribly anxious world, okay, got that, and being told to pray. Is that the way you feel? Is that what's going on? Is that how distracted you are? Is this how upset you are? Is this how distracted you are? Okay, you need to pray. That's what the Bible says. And it says, when we pray, then you will be, you will have the peace of God to a degree that surpasses understanding on a level that the world doesn't know, on a level that the world cannot achieve, a deep down, divine, powerful peace inside of you simply because you prayed instead of freaked out and worried and watched more of it. And then, to make matters even better, he says, that peace from that prayer will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God will go to work on you in this defense mechanism, in this protection mechanism, in this spiritual armor to where your whole head and everything you think about and worry about and stress over and your whole heart and everything that you long to and believe in and are devoted to, that both of these will have a shield around them by the almighty power of God guarding you guarding you from depression and guarding you from anger and guarding you from running the other way and guarding you from becoming like them and guarding you from becoming like them and guarding you from all of these things when you pray. That is not a complicated passage. Now, it talks about big things, anxiety, peace beyond comprehension, those are huge subjects that we long for. But the simple piece right in the middle of it is pray. That's not the only one. There's another. 
the very next book, 1 Peter chapter 5, he says almost the exact same thing. Listen to this. Chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Listen to this, verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting, throwing, launching, crying out, saying, speaking, casting all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. He knows, he sees, he hears. He's the best listener there is and he is ready to hear those. Bring it, bring it. Tell him, tell him, tell him and he will care for you. And it is in that caring for you that the peace and the protection and the guarding of your soul, of your health, of your spiritual health come. It is through the prayer, devoting yourself to God, believing him that he goes to work on bringing peace and contentment in your life. When we pray, we get healthier. Healthier physically, healthier spiritually, and healthier church involvement. Thanks. But number two, we get other things, the benefits of praying. When we pray, we get forgiveness. Look back to James, verse 15. So all of this is under spiritual health. I mean, certainly we get that. But let's look specifically at some spiritual health. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And look at this. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You remember at the beginning when I talked about why you don't want to pray? You want to pray, but then you don't pray because you're distracted or you don't feel like it or you're not in the mood to? Notice that right here, James just speaks to us like it's as normal as can be, that he's asking you to pray to God even though there's sin in your life that's distracting you, it still is to pray. And it's like this old adage that beautiful Christianity reminds us all, all the time, you don't have to clean yourself up first before you come to God. Just go to him. He's that good of a father. And so he says, cry out to God in prayer and he will forgive you. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Forgiven. Meaning that God sees the sin in us, the sin in our hearts and how that plays out, the things that we give ourselves to and commit to and the things that we do wrongly, the rebellion that we have against him and all the ways that we're not honoring to him. He sees it. He's offended by it. He's bothered by it. He hates it. And still, he's devoted to us he loves us. He does not punish us for it, but rather he looks to his son who he punished for us and he sees our faith in that work of Christ on the cross. And because of our faith in his beautiful, glorious son, he looks back at us and forgives us, blots it out, does not hold our sins against us, says they're mine. They're beautiful. They're loved. They are forgiven. When we pray, we get 
forgiveness. And yet, we don't pray enough. Being forgiven by God means we are drawing near to God. It means that we are getting healthier spiritually. We are believing God. We are believing that God is a forgiving God, that he forgives sin and specifically our sin. This is the good news, that God forgives. And our relationship with God is growing and it's being strengthened as we are more aware of how much we sin and how much he forgives. Just as it says in the chapter before this, chapter four, verse six, but he gives more grace. What if we sin again? What if we keep sinning? Or actually, I'm becoming aware how much I sin. And you should be becoming more and more aware of how much he forgives. He forgives you through his son, Jesus. We are a people who are desiring health, health in life. And spiritual health is found not just in how much obedience we can bring or how good we can become, but rather far before that, it becomes in resting in the forgiveness of God. Do you believe that you are forgiven? Do you believe that all your sins are forgiven? Our relationship with God is growing and being strengthened. We are forgiven. We have peace that we read about. We are experiencing more joy and more love and more peace in our lives because we are praying to him and seeking him. And because of that, we are experiencing less, less guilt, shame, and insecurity because of what prayer is doing for how God is working through our prayer. Now, certainly, let's be careful here. Now's a good time. Certainly, there are people that pray just to pray and nothing becomes of it. We know that. That's the warning that we read earlier in Matthew chapter six where the very first statement was, do not be like the hypocrites. They've already gotten their reward. They pray just to be seen. Everybody saw them and that's it. That's why here on a Wednesday night, at our prayer meeting, right? Every once in a while, I love this. I sent it to our other pastors this week. Every once in a while, you'll hear a church or a pastor say, hey, by the looks of things, I think it might be time for churches to bring back the prayer meeting. That's a common phrase that you hear these days, to which I kind of just chuckle in humility a little bit because it never left here. Now, we may not have a lot of things that those other bigger, better churches have, but we pray and we meet to pray. We meet specifically to pray. And at our Wednesday night prayer meeting, I say almost every single Wednesday, when we close and you fold this sheet of paper to put it away, I say, that better not be the most you prayed this week. If so, we're not much of a praying church. That better not be the last time you looked at that sheet. If so, we're not much of a praying people. And that's just the honest truth. So we're able to understand with a healthy perspective about prayer. We don't pray just to pray. We don't pray to say that we pray. We pray because we believe the God that hears our prayers and he loves that. And then what James does here is really good and I appreciate it. He gives us this awesome example of Elijah. He gives us this awesome example, Old Testament example of Elijah. And he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know why he says that, right? Because when you read the story of Elijah in the Old Testament, you're left going, man, this guy's amazing. He's like one of our heroes, man. He's like a superstar when it comes to Bible characters. And James points out, God did some awesome things through him, but he had a nature like ours, a flawed, sinful nature. There was nothing special about Elijah other than the grace of God working in him. 
He says about Elijah, he prayed fervently. Wow. I want you to think right now for a second. Who do you know that prays fervently? Do you know a single person? Do you know anybody that you know prayed this morning? You see, we, it's, it's easy to recognize our problems. I know people that go to church fervently. I know people that give fervently. I know people that help fervently. I know people that love their neighbor fervently. I know very few people that pray fervently. And Elijah did. You ask him about something, he already been there. He already talked about it. And James gives us his example of Elijah. He prayed fervently, and here's what he prayed about. He didn't pray for his cancer to go away, although that's a good thing to pray about. He didn't pray for the church to grow, that we'd see more baptisms, although that's a good thing to pray about. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. He prayed about the weather. And you know what? He prayed fervently for that. And God answered his prayer. And it did not rain because Elijah asked God to make it not rain. And then you know what? He went back to praying again for it to rain, and it did rain. James gives us the most basic of things, praying for rain, for us to see what prayer is like, how simple it is. Everybody here can pray that it would not rain. Everybody here. So the next time you or you or you or anybody you know try to say, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I'm not good at praying because we hear that all the time. I want you to remember James chapter five, verse 17, 18, where he prayed for rain. Dear God, help it rain. Okay? A few years ago, Val had been doing something on a, I can't remember what it was, and I had to take care of all the kids. And our youngest is five now, so this was back when they were little. And our kind of go-to is to go to Moe's on a Monday night. You get a big discount there, and it works really good. So we went to Moe's, and I thought I could do that. It's hard to take the family out to, to eat like that, especially dad with all five kids. It was rough. I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I thought that I could do it, and it, it, it was rough. We found us one of them circle booths that we could all sit in, and we were spilling black beans and trying to get chips and salsa, and everybody's trying to get a refill, and you gotta keep climbing over each other, and I was just feeling it. I was so stressed, and we started eating, and we had forgotten to pray, and I said, well, wait a second. We, you know, we need to pray, and Lily, who's only five now, a couple, a couple years ago, said, can I pray? Our littlest said she'll pray. She was probably three at the time. I said, yeah, go ahead. She prayed, God, help, amen. <laughs> it, was the, it was the best prayer we had prayed in a long time. It was exactly right. You think God heard it? think he can understand it? You think you don't know how to pray? It isn't about knowing how to pray. It's about wanting to. It's about where your heart is. I'm glad I didn't pray at the dinner table that night. It would have been a rush. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for the food. In Jesus' name, pray amen. But God, help amen. Hit it right on the head. Here's why I hit it right on the head. Because we need his help. And we need his help. Every one of us needs help right now to know what the very next word is we're gonna say as we deal with what's going on in our world. What should you feel? What should you be angry about right now? 
And how are you going to address it? God, help us. Amen. When we pray, we get healthier. When we pray, we get forgiveness. And then lastly, and oh, do I love this point. When we pray, we get each other. Verse 13, is there anyone among you suffering? What what a question. You wanna start thinking about what it means to be a part of a church. Next Sunday morning at 9.30 downstairs, we will start another three-week new members class. I beg any of you to come who've never thought about what it means to belong to a church. You don't have to commit to anything. Just come and listen. Where we enter... Engage questions like, is anybody among you suffering? If you even pray, you're mostly praying for you. And James says, look around. Who's suffering in our midst? Who's in trouble? Who's going through it? Who can count on me? to be on my knees with a direct line to the Father in heaven that I'm talking to him for them. This is what prayer does. Prayer unites us. Prayer is the opposite of dividing us. And it is absolutely true that the reason why there's so much division, not in our nation, but in our lives, is because there's so little prayer. Is anybody among you suffering? Did you tell anybody this divisive suffering week? I'm praying for you. I know it's so hard. And we didn't. I know that we didn't. Because we don't get it. Is anybody among you suffering? James 5.13. Who's having a hard time with this? Who's upset? Pray. Pray. And then in verse 14, he gets other people to pray. When we pray, we get each other. We sing together. We pray for each other. Verse 16 talks about the one another's of confessing our sins to each other, praying for one another. When we pray, we get each other. I remember several years ago being at the basketball court. This is back-to-back weeks of basketball court illustrations, so I apologize for that. Several years ago being at the basketball court, we didn't have enough people to play and I don't know if it was five on four or something like that, but then there was a, there was a kid over there just kind of just sitting on the bench, big, tall, lanky kid. We needed one more. And I remember saying, I don't remember who was saying it, but I remember saying, hey, come on, man, we need one more. And he's like, nah. We're like, well, we just need one more. It's, it's five on four, we need one more. It'll make it work. He's like, I'm not a basketball player, man. I can't, I can't shoot. They're like, dude, you're tall, you got long arms. You don't even have to be able to shoot. And they, they caught him over here and they said this. I said, look, All you gotta do is stand there in the middle and keep your arms like this and the ball comes off the rim, grab it and pass it to somebody else. That's it. You don't have to dribble. You don't have to shoot. Just do that. And I remember him going, I can do that. Hey, you may not have any money to give to Lottie Moon. You may not have much time to come up here and do all the things that we're always asking you to do. But if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can bow your heart and pray to him. Every single believer, like the tall kid on the basketball court that cannot shoot or dribble, should be able to say, I can do that. 
Josh, these are hard days for you pastors to be leading a church, pandemic and everything else. I can pray for you. Hey, I know how hard these young people are. We had multiple college students that today is the first Sunday in two months that they're back at college right now. You can pray for them. God, help, amen. College years are tough and you can do that. And when we pray, we get each other. Notice in this passage of James that it's this weird mixture of seeking the Lord through prayer around the idea of being connected to other people. Now, if that word suffering means trouble, and so we're talking about healing and forgiveness and confessing sins to each other and suffering, if those are the subjects in this passage, and I think they are, around each other praying and helping each other through it, then maybe James is making more sense than anybody realizes Because do you remember how he started James with the very first verse that says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. First Baptist Faradale, count it all joy if you're suffering or going through trouble because we have your back in prayer. We will pray for you. It may not be a strength of ours of programming and all those things. Y'all can decide that. But every Sunday morning at nine o'clock, any of you all can come. There are a group of people here at church praying. There are no Bible studies going on. There are no Sunday school classes on. There's a loud band practicing during that time and we just kind of tune that out. But at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, there are a group of people here meeting to pray. Tuesday nights at seven o'clock, Val leads online, ladies only, a time of prayer. And she's usually in the bedroom with the door closed and every once in a while, like 10 times an hour, we run in there accidentally and interrupt them. And I'll go in there and I will hear those ladies on a Zoom call praying for certain things. Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, we don't have a sermon, we don't have any music. Our church meets to pray and we do and we pray. The third Saturday of every month, the men meet here just once a month for a men's prayer breakfast. The fourth Saturday of every month, starting back in February, the ladies meet here, not to do anything, but just to pray. Twice a year, February, you'll hear the announcement soon, and also in August, our church does 24 hours of prayer, where we ask you not even to pray out loud, to just come to this location, go anywhere you want to, and pray for one hour, and we pray nonstop. When we pray, we get each other. It is hard, hard, hard to be divisive and judgmental when you've been humble before your father praying for people. God works. We get healthier. We've had the huge privilege to be a part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in Louisville, FCA. We do a lot with that. During the pandemic, it's kind of been squashed quite a bit, but we're thankful for the opportunity to work in schools and with sports. And I will never forget this. There was a coach in Fairdale, one of our local schools, who several years ago made it to the state tournament. Here's what he told me. 
said he'll never forget. It was the only time he went to the state tournament as a coach. And that's down in Lexington. He said while he was on his way there riding in the bus, he got a call from Steve Wigginton who works full-time with FCA. This was several years ago. He didn't even work with him and that team. He didn't work with that coach. He called him up and he said, coach, it's the first time you're going to state tournament, isn't it? He said, yeah, it is. He said, you nervous? He said, yes, I am. He said, I'm calling you just so I can pray with you. And he prayed for that coach over the phone. And here we are some 20 years later and a coach telling me how much he admires and appreciates FCA, how much he admires and appreciates and thinks Steve Wigginton is the real deal as a follower of Christ because of one phone call to pray with another man over the phone. Prayer is the way, prayer is the way for us to measure our health of faith in Christ. Let's get healthier. Father in heaven, we thank you for how you're working in us and for the opportunity, God, for us to observe our health. We pray, God, that we would be prayers. Help us to. Help us to try it. Help us to go for it. Help us to analyze why we don't. Help us to analyze why we don't want to. Help us to analyze why we don't when we do want to. Make us healthier through faith in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.